Great. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, I uh, thank you for this night, Lord. I thank you for all of these young people in this room. Uh, hungry to hear your word, Lord. Hungry to learn. Father, I ask uh, for focus tonight. Um, that there would be no distractions, Father, that we would be open to receive your word, that we would learn something new, that we would apply it in our lives, um, and, and that we would just be changed and and, uh, and we would grow as a result of what we learned tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so I want to talk to you guys about this topic in particular. Uh, girls. Uh, I want to talk to you about this topic in particular because uh, it's something that I'm passionate about, uh, something that the Lord has um, given me a testimony in my life uh, about on this topic, and so it's I'm not going to give my testimony tonight, but um, uh, it's something that the Lord has done uh, amazing things in my life in this area, uh, and I have the, the proof, the result right here. <laughs> a beautiful wife, and doesn't even laugh or anything. Or... <laughs> and, and furthermore, with the baby coming, uh, this is uh, this is a fruit, right, of of practicing the designs of the kingdom, the designs that God has laid out for us in, when it comes to sex, dating, and marriage. Okay. And so we're going to start by talking a little bit about designs. Uh, and actually, um, let's see here. I'm going to read one verse um, from the book of John. This is John 10, verse 10. If you guys want to write this down, this is uh, a verse that you guys should memorize. This is a verse that I use a lot. Um, this is a verse that uh, is important for us to know. And it says this. It says, the thief, 10, 10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay? Raise your hand if that verse sounds familiar to you. Yeah? Good, yeah. Some of you guys have it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. Okay? To the full. Yeah. Okay? So, so, so that's a good point, Lalo. What... What, what do you think abundance means? You guys know the definition of the word abundance? Overflowing. Overflowing to the fullness. Yeah. And when we talk about life, when we're talking about our quality of life, our standard of life, we're talking about a life that is whole, that's unbroken, uh, a life where there is uh, overflowing, so there's extra, there's provision, uh, a life where you have options, right? A life where you have... Um, purpose, uh, and a life that, that is blessed by the Lord. Um, the reason I want to start from this verse, guys, is because the way that we look at marriage, the way that we look at dating, and the way that we look at sex will determine a huge part of the, the quality of life that you guys end up having later on, right? <coughs> Excuse me, right? Right. Right, yeah. Amen. Yeah. The quality of life, they say that this, your spouse is the most important decision that you'll make. That who you choose to marry is the most important decision, followed by uh, what, what school you decide to go to and all, a few other decisions, right? These are key decisions, key things in your life that will go on and affect the rest of your life. Now I do want the fan because it's too hot up here. 
So, so one thing, as, as humans, as people, even as Christians, guys, a lot of times we have a hard time um, understanding and connecting the fact that the decisions and the things that we do now have consequences for the future, right? It's, it's hard for us sometimes to recognize, um, but in, the, in the, the topic of dating and marriage, it's crucial, it's critical that we understand that there is a time of preparation that we have to go through if we want to be successful, if we want to live abundantly uh, in this area of our lives. Amen? There's no, there's, uh, there's some things in life that you can accidentally succeed at, right? There's some things that you can accidentally pick a college and it turns out really well and you, you have a lot of fun, you make good friends and you do well, you succeed. You could accidentally pick uh, a vacation and have a good time. You could accidentally do a lot of things. There is no way you can accidentally have a healthy and successful marriage, okay? So you have to think in advance. You have to know where you're going. You have to prepare. Uh, and, and for us as Christians, what that means is that we have to apply the designs of the kingdom of God. We have to d- apply the designs and the instructions that God lays out for us in this book. Amen? So, the other reason, not, besides the fact that this is uh, a topic that's close to my heart, the other reason I wanted to bring this topic up is because, uh, first of all, there's so much, right? There's so much under this umbrella. But in this day, in this time, way more than even when I was your age, uh, this all of the, the stuff that we're going to talk about is very heavily contested. You guys know what that means? Contested? It means that it all of the truth that we're talking about is very uh, up for debate, right? In in society, in culture, politically, everything that we're talking about, the world will tell you otherwise. So if you don't know the truth and you don't know the designs, how are you to then complete the the, the project, right? So if you imagine the designs of Christ, I imagine it like a uh, like an Ikea instruction manual, right? Has anyone here ever tried to uh, assemble an Ikea furniture something? A few of you guys? Do you? I have done a lot of stupid little Ikea things, and I really don't like doing it. I really, I really dislike it. I wonder why. <laughs> the instructions are easy enough, right? There's no words. It's just pictures, and they tell you pretty simply. But like, most of them are in Swedish. Yeah, they have some Swedish instructions, but uh, it's frustrating, right? Because you'll be going along, I'll be going along, and I'll be making something, like a bookshelf or something. And recently, I was making this little thing for Emily, a little makeup desk, a vanity, so she could sit and do her makeup, and and be in the bedroom. And she had told me the board, there's a board that's painted red on one side and on the other side it's white. And she said, ah, oh, well, I don't really like the red, so I want to, uh, uh, maybe we can paint that part. And I was like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour putting this thing together and then I'm never going to touch it again. I'm not going to come back later and paint it. Uh, this thing is not even worth the money to go and buy the paint. The paint is worth more than the desk, right? It's Ikea furniture. So... So I was putting it together, and I was like, okay, let me just see if I looked at it. I was like, okay, all the holes look 
even, they look like they, it's like symmetrical, right? So it's like, I'm gonna flip it over. <laughs> I'm just gonna flip it over. To take the easy way out. And I'm gonna put the, the red on the bottom, and I'm gonna leave the white on the top, and I think it should be fine. Alright, so I tighten all the screws. They say, like, just hand tighten it, and then at the end, you can really tighten it, right? But I'm like, as hard as I can, everything, every screw, as hard as I can. And I get like four pages later, and it's like something's not fitting, something doesn't work, something doesn't connect, right? And it's because I tried to improvise, and I tried to see Sue shaking I tried to improvise, I tried to put my own spin on the instructions, I tried to put my own spin on the plans, the design, right? But uh, in this case, the design could not even be completed. Right? It could not even be completed. I had to go back and restart. So that made me even more mad. <laughs> there are some times when building an IKEA furniture or in, in some other situation where maybe you can get all the way through. Like it'll let you, you can figure out a way to make it work. But as soon as you try to use the item, like sit on it or put some books on it or whatever the case may be, you, maybe it's a bed and you jump in the bed. Whenever you put some pressure on it, it'll break, it'll fall apart, because it wasn't designed to be used that way. And, and there's a flaw, maybe there's a piece missing, or you added something that wasn't supposed to be there, right? So in that same way, we are going to look at the design of what the Lord laid out, what God laid out for us for marriage, sex, dating, and marriage. And, and for the same reasons... We need to learn and know and understand the design first. That's our foundation. It's the design. These aren't my opinions. This isn't my story. This isn't my my take on things. There's no improvisation. This is the design that the Lord gave us. And the design is important because that's what everyone wants to change. Everyone wants to change that. And we're going to talk about you know, a few different points that in culture right now, they're trying to change the design, um, but first let's let's learn about the design. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, so first we're gonna go to Ephesians 5:22. And don't turn there. I'll turn there for you, so you guys just chill. Oh, you got it right there. All right, nice. We're gonna go through like a few verses, but you maybe you can follow while I read. 5.22 through, let's see, till the end of the chapter, 31, 33. Okay, it says this, uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, may be, that she might be holy and without blemish. <clears throat> in the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man shall never leave his father and mo- sorry, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so there's a lot in that chunk. There's a lot. We're not going to go super deep. There's a lot there, okay? But we, I, I want to start with you guys and, and um, uh, review back on when we talked about the body of Christ. Who, who was here for that series? You remember the drawing of the scary guy? He had all the different pieces of his body that represented the church. You remember? You guys remember? So we were talking about and learning how as, as the body, as the church, we make up different parts, right? So the Bible says, and I should not be jealous of the mouth, right? Because the eye does its thing and the mouth does its thing. So how, how foolish would it look for, for the church to be made up of all eyes or all mouth, you know? So so this is that's what this section is referring to. It says the body is the bride. So the body is in a, in a, in a marriage, in a husband and wife marriage, uh, which is how God intended it, man and woman. The, the wife... It represents the body of Christ, okay? The body, the bride. The man represents the head. The husband represents the head, just like Christ is the head of the church, okay? And so it talks about a couple different things. You know, uh, the wife should submit to their husbands. Um, the, the wife should, we can go through all the different points. And the man should respect his wife, love his wife. <laughs> love him like his own self, right? Love him like his own flesh, okay? So there's a couple points that I want to pull out of here. Mostly I want you guys to be comfortable with the analogy, the head and the body, and and we'll talk a little bit about it in detail, but what I want you guys to get out of this is that at some point, at some point you will be uh, for the boys, you will be the head of your house. You will be the head of your family, right? And for the women, someday you will be the body. You will be the bride, like the bride is the church, okay? So so when we're talking about sex, dating, and marriage, and we're thinking, okay, am I ready for dating? Am I ready for marriage? There are some things in here that help us to know Okay, what does it look like? What are the duties of uh, a husband? What are the duties of a wife? And we'll just write down a few of these for now, okay? So as the as the men are the head, as Christ is the head of the church, uh, a man is the head of his family. Um, so that means, number one, the husband, the man, is the one that is accountable. The one that is accountable. So the easiest way to remember that is this. In Genesis... Um, I forget the chapter, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate the apple, and they sinned, and they had the great fall, God came looking in the garden, right? God came looking in the garden, and it says that he was walking through the garden, and Adam and Eve were hiding in the bushes, and we don't have to pull it up, but um, it says God asked the man, God asked the man, what did you do? What have you done? Right? It's because the man is accountable, just like Jesus is accountable for his bride, right? 
Just like Jesus was accountable for his church. He was responsible. So the man is responsible. It also says in the Bible at the end, when you're before the Lord as a husband, as a man, you'll be accountable for your your bride, right? How did you protect her? How did you provide? How did you do the things that the, the Bible says to do? So number one, the man is accountable. Okay? The husband. Number two, uh, in this section here, it says, I'll read it for you. Uh, verse 27. Verse 26. Uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with uh, with the word. So the the husband in the in the family is the priest. The husband is the priest of his household. Okay, so so it says that you you need to sanctify your wife. That means you need to help her become more like Christ. You need to help her grow. You need to lead her. There you go. And, and how does it say you do that? By knowing the word. By knowing the word and using it. Okay. By knowing the word and using it, by washing her with the word. Uh, third, in that verse just uh, before, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Gave himself for her. So the husband uh, makes the sacrifice. The husband makes the sacrifice. Okay? What are those three that we, we wrote down? So he needs to know the word, and he, he gives himself up. He sacrifices. Now, some of you guys might be thinking, like, yeah, of course, like, that's my girl. I'll take a bullet for my girl. <laughs> any time, any day, right? But the, the, really the, <laughs> the reality... <laughs> the reality of the sacrifice of being a husband is a lot less glamorous, right? It's a lot less, uh, not something you would want to watch in a movie, right? It's the sacrifice of saying, you know, I'm tired, but I'll still do this for you. Or we have only this much money, so I'm going to use it for you. Or... (laughs) (laughs) I knew that wouldn't get past her. It's a uh, it, it's a sacrifice, right? And in those first years of marriage, there is a, a painful um, kind of grinding down, grinding away of who you were alone, as you sacrificed to become a part of somebody else. Okay. Uh, we're not going to go too deep here. I just these are a couple points for the women, for the for the the, the bride. Um, the Bible says submit. So the wife is is. Uh, to submit. Which is also not a glamorous thing, right? It's not an easy thing uh, to to accept ownership. So before, girls, as you've been living single, you've been living crazy, you go here, you go there, you do what you want, right? Maybe I'm gonna brush my hair. Maybe I'm not gonna brush my hair. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just here and there doing whatever. <laughs> Crazy. 
brush your hair, you crazy. Uh, no, but the Bible says submit, right? I'm keeping it light, guys, because there's some married women in here, and I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. <laughs> right? What you mean? No. <laughs> like, submit. It's not an easy thing, guys. It's not an easy thing to go from being your own boss to then being a part of somebody else, and you have to make decisions together. Right? It says the man has to make the sacrifice, and the women, the the woman needs to be willing to go along with the plan, right? To go along with the the strategy. Amen. Uh, the second part, the second part for the bride, um, is uh, to remain holy. To remain holy. It says in verse twenty-eight. Uh, Yeah, verse 27. Uh, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Okay? To submit and remain holy. These are a couple of things as you guys are approaching an age where you might think, okay, am I ready to start dating? Am I ready to start thinking about getting married? By the way, none of you guys are ready to start thinking about getting married. <laughs> but as you guys, as you guys approach, huh? Oh, just laughing. Oh. Uh, as you guys approach, as you guys approach that time, as you guys approach that uh, season, a couple indicators, right? Am I ready to to lead as a man? Do I know the word? Do Do I know the word? Could I help anybody grow with the word? As a, can I use that tool to, to help somebody grow? Uh, am I willing to sacrifice? Uh, am I willing to, to lay down the things, the, the goals that I have, the things that I want uh, for somebody else? Um, if you're not ready, if you're not ready to be accountable, then, then that's a good way for you to know and understand. If you want to practice the design of, of the kingdom, you got more time, right? You're not ready yet. Uh, okay, next point. There's a, the next piece of the, the puzzle, of the design, we're going to find in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians what? Chapter 7. 7 what? 7. 32, and we're going to continue to 36. Okay, it says this. Listen up, guys. Listen up. It says this. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How to please her husband. 
I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Okay, we'll stop there. Okay, so what am I? What do I want to pull out from this? Well, first of all, I think it's really cool here in this uh, in this chapter how we see that there is a before and an after between when you're preparing to get married or when you're single. There's single life and there's married life, right? There's a lot of differences between single life and married life. Huh? One of those differences... What? Please elaborate. Okay. Yeah, one of those differences that, that I want you guys to be focusing on is... Uh, is what we're what we're reading here. I'll read it again. It says the unmarried man is what anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Okay. So as you guys are in this season and in this time of preparation, and as you guys think forward into your future, into the things, uh, into the dreams of your heart. Um, I'm sure all of you guys want uh, happy, healthy marriages, right? Now, I don't know how many of you guys come from a broken home like me, uh, but, um, you know, it's not... It, it was really easy for me at a very young age, like a startling, starting, startlingly, uh, that's a word, startlingly young age that I realized I don't want this thing that happened to me. I don't want to repeat this. I don't want. Uh, I don't want to have to. I don't want to not know my dad. I don't want my children to not know me. Right. That was number one. Number two. I don't want to have to see my kids like on the weekend, like drive a long distance and see them for like an hour and go to a movie and then bring them back. And I don't want that. And I don't want to have to pay some person that I don't love or care about anymore. I don't want to have to pay them money because they have my kid and I have to, you know, do all this legal stuff. I don't want any of that, right? I decided I didn't want any of that. I wanted a whole family, a family that was whole, that was healthy, that was, for me, the description and the design of living in abundance, living in abundance, was for me to have a a wife, one wife, to have my kids, just my kids, I don't want to have to share my kids, split time, double time, half time, every other Christmas, every other Sunday. I wanted my kids under my roof with my wife from beginning to end, right? To me, that's, that's, a, that's the abundant life. That's the abundant life. That's a huge piece of the abundant life. You know? Huh? So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. Yeah, and and when and when the the when we found out that the baby was coming, for me, obviously very excited and and uh, on just a normal level, really excited for my family to be growing. But on another really deep level, it is uh, it is a goal that I set from a really young age, a really young age that I wanted to not have any kids until I was married. And not have any kids until it was the right time in my marriage. And not have any kids until it was the right time for me financially, in my career, all these things. And so for the Lord to bring us this baby at the right time, 
uh, without you know the stress and the hassle of of all the other things, all the other things that can happen, right? All the other things that the enemy can use to steal. Um, you know, that's for me that was reaching a huge goal, and that was you know the Lord ending a cycle in my family, a cycle that has been open for three or four or five generations. Of, of people who have not completed that goal, right? So for a lot of you guys, I know you're in the same spot. You don't know your, your dad, you don't see your dad or, or, or your mom or, you know, you don't, you don't know. There's, there's pieces missing, right? There's pieces missing. I've told you guys before, one time I was in the shower and I was just, you know, whatever, I was just in the shower and the Lord sometimes talks to me really clear in the shower and and I was thinking of something that I had never thought about, which was my great-grandpa was the, is the only man that I was connected to by blood, uh, like my closest blood relative, besides my brother, my closest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like a, a father figure, he's the closest one, my great-grandpa. I had to go back like three generations, right? Not on my grandma's, not on my mom's side, not on my dad's side. Didn't have anybody out of all those six or seven or eight people that should have been someone, right? Someone stuck around. No. Nobody stuck around. No one was there. So so the Lord told me, you need to write him a letter and thank him for being there. For He, he completed his uh, his job because he stayed with my, my great-grandma all the way to the end. And, and they were together and they had their kids and whatever. But, but no one else did after that. There's like three generations of brokenness. And so for us to reach this point is closing that gap, is closing that cycle. So, so for some of you guys, <laughs> for some of you guys, I know that you have it in your heart to close that cycle. That you have it in your heart to close that cycle, right? That you want something better than what you've experienced. You want something more whole, more healthy, uh, more complete, right? And so, so that's why I think this, this is a beautiful First Corinthians because it's telling us, okay, there's a time, there's, there's, this, there's this single time that you guys have now. And, and for some of you guys, you're like, dude, I just, I'm a freshman in high school. Like, this is a long way, long ways away. Well, I was, I was praying for my wife when I was three years old. So, so it still, it was a long ways away, right? But when you, when you start a fire that early, it just continues to grow and it continues to burn. So it gets bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger. And so when you have a desire for something and you know what you want, then you won't be tempted with other stuff. You won't be tempted to go off and do this other stuff. Because you know that what's at stake is not just you know having a good time or whatever. What's at stake is I want to close the cycle. I want to close the cycle. I want to close the cycle. I want to have one wife. I want to have my kids after I get married, and, and X, Y, Z, all the rest. So, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, there is a time uh, uh, to, to, to be focused on the Lord. And he says, it's, when you're, it's, it's also when you're married, but when you're unmarried, you are free and unrestrained, right? You're free and unrestrained. And as you guys, you may not have, not know or see the value of that now um but later when you get married paul's saying and it's true 
that when you're married, you have to worry about both, right? You have to worry about your relationship with God. You have to worry about your, your house, your kids, whatever, your career. But you also, uh, so you have to worry about all of it. But when you're single, right, you just have you and the Lord. You and the Lord. So if you guys want to aim, if you want to point your, your, your spear, point your bow, whatever, down at the target, and if you say in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years, when it's the right time, when it's the right place, I want to, I want to hit the bullseye, I want to hit the target, you got to use that time now to connect with the Lord, to, to build your relationship with the Lord, to build your foundation with the Lord, and, and to light that fire inside of yourself that says, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to go and, and chase any guy, or I'm not going to chase any girl, I'm not just going to stumble into a relationship remember what I said at the beginning you can't have a successful marriage on accident you can't stumble into something and just hope it works out hope I don't know he doesn't really go to church but I'm gonna just try to bring him and I think it might work out and I don't know he's just really cute or she's really cute and you know we both like this thing but no no spend your time focusing on the Lord spend your time building the foundation first and and when the time is right the Lord will bring along the spouse that he has for you when I was when I was uh, after I graduated when I was uh, approaching the time that I met Emily um, my my relationship with the Lord was like at its strongest like at its best and I would spend so much time with the Lord uh, just you know alone before bed I would um, I had a wall, and I, I did this many places that I lived, but I would read the Bible, and I would take a verse that spoke to me, and I would write it out, kind of like Ashley, I would write it out, and then I would draw a picture. I would draw what it meant, what I felt, what, it's, what it meant to me, and I would put it on the wall, right? And so I did that every day, and so you can imagine how quickly that wall grew of just my relationship with the Lord, and so every day when I was getting ready, going, getting dressed, whatever, I would just look up at the wall and be like, I remember that verse and how the Lord spoke to me and what it meant to me, and I would just have the, have that that presence, presence of the Lord with me, with me, right? And and it, it, it allowed me to to lay deep roots with the Lord and, and who I was, and by the time Emily came along, I wasn't, I wasn't anxious about finding my wife, I wasn't stressed out, I literally was just like, wow, you're already here. You're already here. Yeah. But there were times before when I was. There were times before when I was anxious and like, I really want a wife, I want to get married, I want I want my family. Like, I, I, I thought I was going to graduate high school and get married. And, and then two years after that, have kids. And, you know, three years after that, you know, whatever, buy a house. But... Yeah, the time is... Can, can you guys close your eyes for a second? I want to ask you guys a question. And I just don't want any any uh, anyone to look around. I just want to have you guys raise your hand. Um, I'm curious to know, just from, from where you guys are at, uh, who who here uh, feels like they're they're looking forward to or they're thinking about their... their maybe anxious, maybe not anxious about uh, their, their future spouse? Yeah. Wait, what was the question? I forgot. 
Sorry, I didn't I didn't pose it very well. The question is, out of out of you guys, who is who's uh, who wants to be who wants to be married? <laughs> who wants uh, who's thinking about their spouse? Who's who's uh, kind of anxious for that? And I'll give you guys a little context. Some of you guys, you know, some of you may just be kind of like. No, I'm not like I don't really care what happens when it happens. I'm I'm enjoying being free and single, doing me. But so that's one side, right? And then the other side is, no, like I want I want to be in a relationship. I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. Like I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm planning it. So so that's why I asked. Okay, you guys can open your. <laughs> you get it, Mel? Like sure. Never mind. <laughs> okay. one illustration, this one story, and this is kind of one, I guess, my main point for tonight, okay? As we as we go along and we, we build off of this foundation, this is just two pieces of a design that is complicated, that is intricate, that is bigger, right? You have a question? What was the third one? Yeah, you never said the third one. Third what? For women? Mm-hmm. There's only two. Oh, please. Oh. For women? There's more, but for that, there's only two. In those verses. We got a little easy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't have to do as much. You don't have to do as much. I love a little space for it too, right? Oh, sorry. Jeez. Okay. So, uh, I want to tell you guys a story really quick. Short, short little funny story. Oh, not yet. Yeah. yeah, here's now I gotta laugh. Oh, okay. So, the, um, Okay, so there's a captain of a ship. If you guys imagine like a big navy ship, big, no, big. <laughs> imagine like a big aircraft carrier. Okay. So the captain is on a break. Usually he's up above and he's steering the ship. He's on a break and it's early in the morning. He goes down to the the, the, the galley where they have the food, and he sits down with his coffee and his donut, and he's sitting there. And the sun is coming through the little window. You know how ships have those little round windows like that? There's a, there's a window. Huh? And, the, and the light is coming through. And he's so tired. He's been up all night steering the ship. He's so tired. And he's, he's drinking his coffee. And the light is right in his eyes. He's trying to enjoy his donut. And he, he finally he just gets up and he goes to the phone. And he calls the skipper who's steering the ship, and he says, turn uh, two degrees to the east. And he hangs up the phone. And he goes and sits down. As he's sitting at the table, he, he slowly sees as the ship turns, he sees the light start to move. And so the light is no longer in his eyes. It's moved away from him. So he can sit and he can enjoy his donut in the shadows. So the reason I tell you guys this story is because I want to tell you to not be like the captain. To not be like the captain of the ship. Because as you guys walk, as you guys go forward in your your lives, you have the chance now to set your course. 
you have your chance now to to set your compass, right? And to decide, where do I want to end up? What do I want my life to look like? What kinds of things do I want in my life? And what do I not want in my life? And, and you can do that now. You can do that now. For some of you guys, I would even say it's getting kind of late. <laughs> it's getting kind of late if you haven't done that yet. In your heart, in your mind, set your compass. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want it to look like, right? But the captain, see, in, in order for him to enjoy his donut, he took the ship off course. He took the ship off course, and he took himself out of the light, even though the light was kind of blinding for him. He took the ship off course out of the light so that he could eat his donut in the in the dark, right? And for you guys, you're going to be tempted at times to change course a little bit, maybe two degrees, two degrees to the left, two degrees to the right, just to step out of the light, to step out of what God has for you so that you can just have a little something sweet in the dark, right? Just a little something for right now. Uh, because it's been hard, because it's been a long journey, because, what did I say? Because, uh, you know, <laughs> something tempting, right? Something just, oh, just, you know, one night of just whatever, because I'm feeling lonely. One night of this, because why not? And, and, and those decisions, those little turns, a big ship like that, and, and the big ships that you guys are, with big purposes and big destiny, a big ship like that, two degrees off, ends up in a completely different place. Completely different destination, right? So, I want you guys to think of that story and remind yourself, when you're thinking about your future, thinking about the, the, the generational stuff that you want to break off, or maybe, you know what, maybe you have, you come from a good family with uh, an unbroken history, unbroken patterns. You know what? The Lord blesses on top of the foundation of the previous generation. So what your family has, He bless you with more. And 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 what you what you have, He'll bless your children more. He'll double it and increase and multiply. But you know, you can come from a good family and completely just throw it all away. You can throw it away if you don't if you don't set your course. And you don't decide. I'm not here to come down on you guys and tell you, you know, don't have friends with boys, don't have friends with girls, you know, don't don't kiss, don't do this, don't do that, don't have a boyfriend, don't have a girlfriend. It's not about that. I don't really care about that. I'm talking about your future. I'm talking about the destiny of your life. If you don't care about that, you should probably start caring about that, right? Uh, you know, there's there's more to this than just the rules. It's not just the rules, right? It's the design. It's the design. And, and God has a design for your life to, to bless you and, and to, to prosper you, but you have to follow the design. You can't improvise like me, right? Like me building the Ikea thing. You can't improvise. It doesn't end up the right way. And, and like I said before, right? So if you improvise and you try to change something, no, it says to use screws, I'm going to use nails says to use this, I'm going to use tape, whatever. As soon as your your relationships, as soon as your marriage starts to come under some pressure and some stress and some strain, it'll fall apart. It'll fall apart. And relationships are complicated on their own, 
But a marriage is supposed to last a lifetime. So that foundation that you build, it better be good. When Emily and I first got married, I told you guys this a few weeks ago, but when Emily and I first got married, we went directly from the altar, from the, the wedding, into three years of really hard challenges, really hard pressure and stress and strain. And if we didn't have a foundation, if we weren't practicing the designs of, of God, this, it would have fallen apart. But we didn't. We didn't improvise. We didn't try to do things our own way. And and look what happened. The Lord brought us through. The Lord brought us through for for bigger and better things. Amen. So let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father, I thank you for this night, Lord. I thank you for for these young lives, Lord. These uh, these intelligent, uh, passionate, and and Attractive young people. Amen. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you have purposes, you have destiny, you have you have blessing for these guys, Lord. Father, I ask that you would just bless their socks off, Lord, for those that follow your design, Lord, those that obey, those that seek you, Lord, those that choose to use their single time to chase after you, God. Father, I ask that they would have a firm foundation in your word, Lord. They would have a firm firm foundation in their identity in you. Lord, and I just ask that you just protect them from every way that the enemy wants to steal from them. Lord, I ask that as as a group, we wouldn't turn even just two degrees to the east or to the west, Lord, but we would stay on course, that we would stay focused, um, so that we can be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.